This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to make a beautiful website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the promo code THUMBS, you'll get 10% off and you can sign up for a free trial. Squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS at checkout. I actually loved Fable 1 a lot and the sequels kind of got worse and worse, more boring. But that, you know, you could, again, you could kind of be really evil. Like you could break into people's houses when they were sleeping and then kill them. And then that means you could buy their house and then you could rent their house out. So you could just like do that and own a whole village of houses that you rent out because you murdered every single person. But then unlike uh, KOTOR where um, there's a certain point in that game where you, you lock in your ending and you know, it's evil from there on out. Like you have hours where there's an evil ending fable you fight the final boss and then the very last thing you do after you finish the game it basically says press a for the good ending press b for the bad ending (laughs) like you can still redeem yourself even though you've lived the whole game as like this evil asshole that killed everyone in the whole village and like yeah you're just like oh i redeem myself on your deathbed (laughs) yeah on deathbed. (laughs) redeemed It's October 14th, 2015. Happy Dishonored Halloween. This is Idle Thumbs 232. I'm Chris Remo. I'm James Spafford. I'm, I'm Sean Jake. Vanneman. Oh, what is that? What is that? I'm you Jake Rodkin. Oh, and I'm Sean Vanneman. Sean, welcome back to the podcast. Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. These, You're these, back for Dishonored Halloween? Yeah, this uns- yes. the unsettling <laughs> spirits of Dishonored Halloween have disrupted our introduction. <laughs> <laughs> pulls off mask. It's Corvo. Is Nick Brecken Corvo. Under me? Pulls oh, off it's Corvo. Corvo mask. I nice see- mask. <laughs> is Nick Brecken? Spaff, the release I don't know mask. if you saw that. I, see- I know everyone else has seen it, but did you notice that it is officially Dishonored? Dishonored Halloween, according to the actual yes, Dishonored, the actual uh, at Dishonored Twitter account, no, ha- has like a Dishonored Halloween promotion going on with a graphic that says Dishonored Halloween. Like a, <laughs> they have a logo for Dishonored Halloween. Did they just think a that joke was a that we've thing? been perpetuating for like two years now since episode eighty. That was yeah. that's a very a very sobering number. Yeah, we, we've been. It feels like we've. It still to me feels like that's we're three like just back from the Adult Thumbs Kickstarter. It was. No, it feels like we are that now. Oh, but yeah. that was episode sixty-five, and Dishonored Halloween was episode eighty, and now we're at two thirty-two. So anyway, yeah, happy Dishonored Halloween. Official now. Yeah, yeah they, the the Dishonored account decided to have a Dishonored <laughs> Halloween like costume contest or something. But so, but so, there have just been all these happy Dishonored Halloween hashtag Dishonored Halloween tweets, and it has yep. been just a glorious couple oh, of days so this good. week. Maybe that term just showed up in their like social media tracking. They're <laughs> they like, oh, typed cool. in Dishonored into Twitter search or uh, Google search and auto completed Dishonored Halloween, and they're like, oh, that's already a thing. But to join it, in. Is it worth even trying to explain what Dishonored Halloween is to people? Yes. You can try. Oh my god, I don't know if it's possible. In episode 80 <laughs> of Idle Thumbs, we for some reason started talking about how it was like scary in a part of Dishonored and there were rats. Chris was talking about some Sweet stupid video thing. Game. Do you ever use the gun in Dishonored? 
No. no. Well, I killed some rats with a gun. Because <laughs> I never, I always have just more bullets that I have never, I never ever use it. Yeah. So like I was, I went down under, you know, like down to an underground location because I heard someone being like, oh, there's rats here. So I went, I went down. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounded like. Weird bark. So I went down under. There's rats here. No, they're on they're my They're so legs. scary. <laughs> It's Halloween. <laughs> it's the, the weird time content showed up early. Oh, there's time content for Halloween, and there's a bug where it comes out a week early. Yeah. Where all the characters say it's Halloween. Oh, there's rats here. Oh, it's Halloween. Yeah, Arcane yeah. is kind of a weird That's, studio. Yeah, Dishonored's got all these crazy systems you wouldn't even predict. It's a really, it's a really super. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fictional world, but they've got <laughs> they've got Halloween. It's probably called some nonsense thing. <laughs> it's just Halloween. <laughs> well, in this in this, you know that it's not our world and our time because they celebrate Halloween <laughs> October twenty <October> third. <laughs> it's a fictional world, not unlike our own, but there's some differences here and there that clever Major players holiday. might spot. <laughs> Major holidays are a week off, <laughs> sometimes two weeks. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, we're the worst. This so, podcast is terrible. So you shot a rat with a gun. Yeah. On Halloween. On Halloween. On Halloween. <laughs> on Dishonored Twitter Halloween. <laughs> That's what it's just called, Dishonored Halloween. That's the name of the ancient rite that takes place on October 23rd. Oh, it's from I'm Dishonored so- Hollow's Eve is what the... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It got modernized at some point. Yeah. Anyway, so no, I, I very re- that was the old, that was literally the first time I'd fired the gun. Anytime. Yeah, me neither. I've never used it. Yeah, yeah, not once. Oh, I shot funny. a guy. So, I was surprised. It's been a fictional world, not unlike our own. Not unlike our own. For some stupid reason, yeah. we decided that in the in Dishonored world, they celebrate Halloween a week or two early, yeah. and in their universe, it is just called Dishonored Halloween, and that in the Dishonored world, they just celebrate holidays annoyingly off calendar from our own. Yeah. But otherwise, it's very similar to our own reality. So seeing the Dishonored Twitter account exactly declare Dishonored Halloween two weeks early from regular <laughs> Halloween was just delicious. Well, anyway. Because all that Victorian shit is just drearily spooky in general. It's the reason <laughs> they can just like put a jack-o'-lantern in New Orleans Square in Disneyland and be like, Halloween! Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, like pirates are scary. Man, so yeah. Also, just in general, I mean, obviously the, they did this because there's a new Dishonored game coming out. And it is crazy. I really hope it's called Dishonored Halloween. <laughs> um, it just made me remember how much I loved Dishonored just to a, a really high degree. I mean, we talked about this game a lot back when it came out on this podcast and I, I loved it so much mm-hmm. and it made me realize how many new versions of games that I really love are suddenly just like almost here. Like Dishonored 2 is what? Like a few months away. Uh, Fallout 4 is next month. Three There's a new Deus Ex game apparently. What? I didn't even notice but it's coming out soon. February 23rd. Far Cry like, Primal. <laughs> We'll also February twenty third. <laughs> we'll see. February twenty third is New Far- Mirror's Edge. Also, is new is February twenty third is Mirror's Edge, Far Cry Primal, and New Deus Ex. If you like first person games based on previous games, February twenty third is your Valentine's Day. It's your Dishonored Valentine's <laughs> Day. Dishonored Valentine's Day. <laughs> Dishonored Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, Dishonored two, two comes out on February twenty third. No, 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 no. That's the secret <laughs> of Dishonored Valentine's Day. <laughs> I mean, for me, for me, it's basically been like Dishonored Christmas because I just learned about all this shit. Uh, Fallout. So you're calling Dishonored Christmas as also now. Sure. 
this Hall of in Christmas this, is the eaves of, do- of this, all Hallows' eaves. In this unsettling eve. world, not so era. different from our own. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Halloween comes Christmas early. <laughs> both fall on the same day. I mean, Christmas also, is spooky. Dishonored Christmas also appears <laughs> February 23rd spooky. when a bunch of other cool games show up. <laughs> That's true. God, yeah. Christmas is Christmas comes but two or three times a year when a sweet bounty of first person games <laughs> yeah. sequels. It's it, the, the fact that I so Fallout 4 obviously I've been looking forward to for a while but these other games I some, somehow completely went under my radar and it's just been in the last like 2 weeks maybe I I'm sure I knew about Dishonored 2 but I just forgot about all these games and now suddenly they're all like in the near future so I find myself when I'm just kind of loading up steam doing whatever i'm like oh man are any of these games out and still none of them are out ever um but it did mean that i just spent some time looking around steam for new stuff that came out and um i found a game called sub level zero that was masterful which i was not aware of until like this weekend basically and it looked cool so i downloaded it and it's really really good it is a uh if if you guys remember descent i'm sure you do it came Mm -hmm. out in what, like 1997 or something, I want to say? Maybe later than that. But that was like mid-late 90s PC. Yeah, yeah. around then. Yeah. <clears throat> it was a a PC game, like a what they call Six Degrees of Freedom. If Nick Brecken were here, he would explain Six Degrees of Freedom. A six-axis. Better, better than I can. But it's like a full 3D, all-directional control thing where you pilot like what is essentially a spacecraft... It's through a bunch of corridors that are in zero but, gravity, yeah, but, so yeah. you can fly up through the ceiling yeah. and then sort of just reorder the world. Just There's no yeah. ground. You can turn it's, in any direction it's at quake, any point. but you're floating. Yeah. And the thing that is so great about it to me is that it feels like those games of the 90s where you have such full mobility and it's combined with enemy projectiles being either slow or at least trackable. Like, you can dodge enemy projectiles in the way that you can in, like, Doom. You know, like, J.P. LeBreton, who's been on this podcast before, always talks about how one of the great aspects of Doom that is largely gone from modern first-person shooters is that the projectiles move slowly enough that much of the combat deals with evading them, and it creates this sort of, like, dance-like dynamic that is really cool and only really possible in sort of a abstracted, not very realistic, not very, not very high, high realism world. And this game totally has that vibe to it where, because you can move in literally any direction and rotate yourself totally arbitrarily at any moment, it just has that sort of like heart pumping feeling of like dodging enemies from all different angles and spinning around to, to like any direction and, and, uh, you're navigating this like crazy labyrinth. In this case, it's um, procedurally designed, which gets to a thing that I'm sort of ambivalent about with this game. Again, the game is called Sublevel Zero. I don't want to just mention it once and never say the name again. Uh, it's <laughs> It sort of bills itself as a roguelike in the way that a lot of um, modern games are in the sense that it, there's permadeath. If you die once, the game's over and you have to start over. And when you do start it over, all the level the Levels just, are randomly generated. from new chunks, right? Yeah, like there's like blocks. six worlds or something, or seven maybe, and you go through them sequentially, and each one is, you know, just a big labyrinth um, that uh, is different every time. And it's really cool. I'm mixed on how I feel about the permadeath thing because the thing that it doesn't have that a something like Spelunky has or other games in that genre 
often try to achieve is complex interaction between all of the elements in the world. So like the enemies in this game have one purpose, which is to attack you. But unlike in Spelunky, they're not going to set off a crazy chain of physics events that are going to involve all of the sort of procedurally generated level design of the world and like crazy things are going to have a domino effect or are going to set one an- one another off. That just doesn't exist in this game. It's just the you versus the enemies shoot them. And so when you die, I'm kind of just like, Classic oh man, now I just have to start. I just have to start a normal video game over. You know, like I'm not each my playthroughs are not substantially different to one another in terms of like interesting emergent events. They're just fun video game. And that's great. Like that's not a problem at all, but it kind of makes me wish there was a version of this game where there's just a campaign and I could just play through the whole thing and get to the actual like hardest enemies. Um, Yeah. I I played this game for a little bit over the weekend and I was really terrible at it. I didn't ever actually manage to complete the first level because I I only, I admittedly only played like 40 minutes of it. Yeah. Um, does it do the thing that Descent, Descent does where when you get to the end of the level, you set off the reactor, then have to blast back out of it to the entrance again? Or No. In this game, you you, you destroy the reactor, and then you, there's just like a wormhole you go through to get to the next world. Okay. Yeah, there were there – were, because the game is built in chunks, like – it looks – I mean, it looks and plays – it looks basically exactly like 90s Descent. Like it has big, huge pixel art walls mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. The controls are – way better than my memory of it but there was there were a lot of things that i missed about like about the, the feeling of descent that i kind of wish this game did and i think part of that is just that there isn't a level designer on this game there's just a bunch yeah. of what, procedural what can you stuff. can you identify any of those things the the feelings that i remember from descent were feeling like i was like a spaceship inside of basically a larger spaceship or like a oh, series yeah, of yeah, underground yeah. caverns mm-hmm. where sort of you'll have just the pacing of a of a well designed level isn't present here where sort of you'll be right. in a sort of a maze of corridors then burst out into a gigantic room that has a big floating thing in the middle. And like this game has little bits of that, but the whole, because I think it's being built in chunks, the range of contrast that they're able to achieve is just by necessity lower. Cause the rooms have to all be able to lock into each other mm-hmm. and just maybe the farther in you get to the game, the more that sort of stuff happens. But I just, I remember descent having a feeling of, of sort of just, parts of it feeling really grandiose and parts of it yeah. feeling really claustrophobic. Kind of like, and this is kind of more like Half-Life one or something. Yeah. And this where is it's largely corridors, but, but there's just striking crazy yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. And this, this game feels like it's at least in the super tiny part of it that I played, not about that contrast, but that's, that was like my, my lasting feeling from descent was this really concrete, but weirdly specific feeling of place because of yeah. just, that 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 like because mm-hmm. the concept is incredibly strange of of descent or this game just the the core conceit is very odd you know like you're a weird ship and you're flying through a core like it doesn't map really directly to anything yeah like, the, there's no movies that are the like closest that. We, weirdly which closest, I've always liked about it <laughs> yeah the the closest cinematic reference that I can ever think of which is a really stupid specific reference is. In the first Matrix movie, when it cuts to the shots of their ship, like sort of going through oh, subway yeah. systems and Descent, caverns Descent underneath before that underneath movie. Earth, I know. But like, there's nothing cinematically that feels like that, where you're just like yeah. in such a strange version of mm-hmm. deep space that mm-hmm. you are kind of yeah. there's no gravity, but you're in a spaceship, but you're navigating these corridors, and you can sort yeah. of fly up through ceiling vents, then pop out into these completely huge worlds. I don't know. It's that. I mean, the fact that this game does still. 
I, you're, I, I completely I mean, agree with you about the level design. There's immediately a smile on my face because I have not played a game yeah, that has exactly. these movement mechanics yeah. and this, and this so, sort of navigation so, style. It's so nice. Like, I mean, we're in an amazing period right now of incredible diversity in sort of game time and all things dealing with games. And it's really great and awesome. Um, but this particular blend of um, kind of uh, trying to model movement in a way that feels like you can really get your hands around it, but modeling it in a context that is completely like makes no sense and is totally abstract is really unusual uh right now it's not people there's not a lot of games like that and so it was really fun and i am ambivalent about the uh when i say i'm ambivalent about the um sort of permadeath part i i'm saying that because there are also parts about it that i'm positive on like the feeling you get when I've been in a situation where I had exactly one hit point left, like one out of a hundred. And that was amazing. Like I came back from it and it felt so goddamn good because I knew that if I lost that one point, right, you would have just wiped, I would have wiped the whole yeah. game would have been over. And that is really only possible in that, in that situation with that mechanic. Um, that is really cool. I also really like the, uh, crafting. Did you do any of the crafting stuff? No, I, I, I started, I collected stuff to do it, but yeah, I, I only yeah. got as far as finding multiple, right. multiple ammo and weapon types and equipping them to different slots in the ship, which was also yeah, really also good really in the 90s. Fun. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. You can, as you collect component parts, they, you start to unlock basically blueprints of more complex weapons and, uh, hull and engine parts that you can then like create out of the, Lame. They're actually not component parts. They're themselves guns. But like as you collect guns and armor and engines, they can be combined into more impressive those. And it it's a cool thing that's just going on in the background. And so whenever you pick, if when you pick up a gun, sometimes it'll be like new crafting options unlocked because now this is a part that will complete, you know, some other thing you can make. And it's exciting. And and um, there's a there's a currency system you use to do that. And that's a really fun thing that I like a lot. This is the kind of game that just by virtue of how they've chosen to frame it in terms of the structure, I will probably just kind of pick it up sometimes and play through until I die and then put it down for a while, maybe one or two games that that's kind of how I've been (laughs) playing. I've been playing it every day this week, but generally one or two life's worth and then I, I whenever i die it's kind of it's sort of a bummer and so then i you know, like <laughs> yeah I, I i would like this game to be successful enough that this team could make either a like expansion or a follow-up game sub-level one <laughs> that takes these this idea and what they've learned from this and then puts it in a campaign setting i don't know if they have interest any interest in doing that that's the thing that i would love to play because jake you're totally right about the level design stuff Fun, weird fact about this team, the project lead and lead programmer of this game, uh, before this, he's a PhD who worked at CERN on the Large Hadron Collider. What? Yeah. That is fun and weird. Yeah. Also, <laughs> while he was there, when he before he got his PhD, when he was there as a PhD candidate, wrote, directed, and filmed a short movie about zombies like a zombie outbreak at the Large Hadron Collider, which you can watch on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Um, so this guy just like does things. He just like makes weird things that have to do, sort of have to do with science, but it's also like a legitimate physicist, like scientist. Yeah. Um, 
and also made this video game. I, it's just a weird. I also thing. I have I have not played a synth in so long that I have no idea if my recollections of what I remember, like of, of that stuff about Descent, was true or not. But a modern reinterpretation of Descent seems like it would have the ability to take that little thing that I remember and just go crazy with oh, yeah, it. So maybe totally. that was just my expectations running against what this game is trying to do. But sure. Also, everything they have in there, I just wanted that also yeah, because it got such scratch that itch so sure. successfully. That's that's I mean nothing. There is nothing that is more of a touchstone for this than Descent. So it's yeah pretty natural to yeah. Um, it's cool though. You could yeah you could these days if you were looking to replicate some of that stuff, you could do crazy things with like scale and you know like you could Descent. I always kind of assumed. Um, was in part the way it was because you, you know, like computers of that era. Right. I'm sure that was, gonna, how do we make a large boxy room interesting? Make you float around in a spaceship instead yeah. of be a guy on the ground. Right. Um, yeah. but you yeah. can be 3d now. Could be, is basically you could be, yeah. You could float around cause you have a 3d computer. Yeah, you can go up. Anyway, it's sub level zero. I think it's in early access on it, steam. Uh, yeah, I forget. I actually can't even remember if it's in early access or not. Um, but it's on steam and it feel. I mean, it doesn't feel like an early access game to me in the sense that I, it doesn't feel like the, the things that are, are left wanting to me don't feel like they're going to change, you know, like they feel like just things that I wish were a little bit different, but the game, like in the design that they decided to make, it feels like a totally functional, good, well-made polished game. So it also feels like it probably has room for like one or two big updates. If they yeah, wanted to like I think, yeah. mix stuff up mechanically. Oh yeah, and they could also just because of the systems in this game, they could add new crazy weapon types. Like, and they could they could add all kinds of content that would just slot directly in and add like new dynamics without disrupting what the core game is. They could easily do that. Maybe they will. Maybe they will. Yeah. Do it. Speaking of other stuff that popped up on Steam recently, Spaff, I know you've been playing the new or not the new, but like the re-released uh, PC version of. Uh, 80 Days, I have. which I also played. God, I love that game so much. Was, so it, was 80 Days even available for PC when we no. talked nope. about no, it last no. year? Okay, it was, is, it was sorry. Like on When I said re-released, yeah, I used bad language. It was out for the first time on PC. Because it was just of, like, mobile platforms ago. initially, right? Yeah. A week ago, yeah. yeah. They've, yes, they've released it on PC, and I believe there's like extra content. Like 100,000 lines! Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, it's crazy. 100,000 lines? Wait, new lines? Something like that. I thought words. it was, I thought it was a thousand words. lines. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, it's 100,000 words or there's something. There's definitely it's a bunch of... There's a ton something. of stuff in there's there. There's definitely a bunch of 100,000 days. It's... <laughs> I started... Totally. I, 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 I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I got there in 100,000 days. Fuck, cool. We walked. It was pretty easy. Was easy game. I don't know. Yeah. Baby we game. took long rests. <laughs> I, pl- I, yeah, the, the new stuff is pretty evident. I, well, it's weird because it is both. <laughs> you want to quickly just go into what oh, yeah, 80 Days sorry. is because we haven't talked about it for a year on this podcast. Spaff, do you, you want to explain it? Uh, 80 Days is a game about Phileas Fogg. It's a uh, Jules Verne Yeah, classic round-the-world name. Um, Phileas Fogg who attempts to make it round the world in 80 days in Victorian times. Uh, but in this game, you play his valet, whose name is Passepartout or something. I don't mm-hmm. know how you pronounce that poor Frenchman's name. Um, and you have to help Phileas Fogg travel around the world um, in 80 days. But it's this cool kind of steampunk version of uh, of 
of Victorian uh, Earth of, of Earth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like where weird, you encounter unexpected it's like a, things. It's like a socially progressive steampunk world. Yeah, and then the is. the gameplay of it kind of manifests as a as an adventure game where you choose dialogue options and unlock new routes that you can pick to travel around to get more efficient routes around the the globe, um, and also a bit of um, buying and trading and and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. very light, man, light economic management. There. Yeah. I, so when I first came out, I played it very briefly and then kind of got busy and forgot about it. And then the, coming out reminded me that it was good. Um, and then I was ill. I was sick in bed and I played it a ton. I've completed four around the world trips in the last <laughs> oh, two weeks or something. I'm on another one. And it's just, it's really fun. One of those trips, I decided to just go straight north over the North Pole. Have you tried doing oh, that? Oh, that's a good one. That's yeah, well, that, awesome. that, it's, it that, on, that itself was new, like new. Is yeah. So that itself was an update that came out last Christmas. Oh, okay. For, right. Yeah, on the that. So I remember playing that when it came out, having already played the sort of launch version of the game several times, and then playing through that, and that like bit of content blew my goddamn mind. So good. It was so good. Ugh, this fucking game. <laughs> it's disgusting how much I like it. I, already playing the version that came out on um, on mobile last year, it already felt really huge because there's it's an it obviously the point of it is that you can go to dozens and dozens and dozens of points on the globe, and then in each of them there are different things that can happen and different things you can choose to do, and in some cases like really consequential. Uh, choices that will actually like disrupt your journey and so on. Um, but then, you know, you, once you play enough times, you start to recognize yeah. some of the things that happen, but then every time they add new content, like when I played the version that came out on PC, which seems like the biggest content update since the game originally came out, uh, you know, they added a lot, lot more content. I'm now back in that, you know, I'm seeing some stuff I recognize, but then some stuff that's new, and it's like I don't know if this is actually new or if I just if never, you just saw, never it. saw it yeah. the first a year time. ago. Yeah, and so yeah. It, it's like recreating that feeling of like, oh, this is a whole big world, and there's well, it's so cool because even if it. you go through the same, because you have to go through the same kind of bottleneck channels in in some spots. Like you have to begin in London, right? And you have we well, don't have to, but you you're supposed to go through Paris, right? And that's always pretty similar, but um, they've done a really good job of making it so it isn't actually similar, and weird stuff happens. Those um, weird moments make the game feel almost God. impossibly big and make it feel as if there's no like what's a like a, what's a weird thing that has happened to you in paris oh in paris yeah i don't know about so much in paris okay um, you don't certainly have to tell me about paris. by weird paris is just like thieves. the initial pinch point yeah, yeah i know well, you, okay i asked only because Beth said that now there's yeah. weird things in paris <clears> but I when there you, you know you'll play the game and you'll go through maybe three or four times around the world and then as you like as the story unfolds in what your brain remembers as the predictable way upon that events happen, you're like, Oh, you arrive in Paris under the lights of blah, blah, blah. You go for a walk. I can't, I'm making this up. That's basically how things like all of a sudden, and now you've been taken into an alley. Yeah. I've been here four times. (laughs) Like, and now I'm taken into an alley. Like that stuff exists in this game. And then that might not go anywhere, but but things like it. Yeah. Like way later in the game, because you did, something in that alleyway <clears throat> something else will happen right or like if someone gives you something and then that comes yeah. to play or I, like, I love stuff like that where you where someone gives you something to give to someone else like halfway around the world and it's like oh my god am i going to divert my entire thing like, <laughs> just to give this thing back to that person but even if you don't that object might be of interest yeah. to someone else in a different place who you did not intentionally seek out 
Um, stuff like that happens all the time. And then you have to make a choice as to whether you give it to them yeah. or whether you keep holding on to it. God, and how the hell random little dialogue choices, like uh, most of the time just will continue the story in an interesting way that sometimes you'll just click something you think is kind of pretty innocent, but then be thrown into a Russian gulag for five days. <laughs> You're like, what? No, what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> or uh, contract weird illnesses. I've taken to being really odd now because when playing it, I, you, I do anyway, I end up role playing this fun valet character who's very, you know, he's properly posh and, you know, keeps himself and like a valet should be. And it's fun. (laughs) But there are many options where you can be disgusted by everything. Because like most of the time I'm like being amazed by everything and that, you know, that earns you respect from Fog. And it's also the coolest stories, I think. And it's interesting. But just started a run where you just like hate everything. And it's just really weird. Like Fogs just, is just like your health is really shitty. He hates me. <laughs> like and everyone hates you. You just get robbed all the time. Like it's just, it's just like that's disgusting. I decided to stay in. I decided to stay in bed. I decided not to go anywhere. Like you're just getting this kind of yeah. really boring story. Surly man. And I've also like I'm trying to. I've been trying to backtrack. I've been trying to see if I could just stay in Europe forever. But it, the game kind of doesn't let you go. Yeah, back you can't really yourself. go backwards. Yep, so I've yeah. just been going down and then up. And then down and then up. <laughs> like just doing this weird course and Fog just like weirdly annoyed at you sometimes. And then, but then you question him about the journey and he's like, this is why I picked this route. It is the most efficient one. <laughs> like, okay. It's fun to fuck around with that though. You are one who would play a game this way. <laughs> it's like, I remember one tight fuck sine wave this. all day around the globe. Yeah. No, just being a just asshole. Being I re- just trying. I remember the like, laziest asshole. Yeah, I remember like <laughs> I don't know, like ten or more years ago. I remember whenever we would talk about games like uh, Knights of the Old Republic, oh, yeah. Tour, whatever, you'd always talk about how you would play them just as the most terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible man. That was the only one. Knights of the Old Republic is the only one where I felt where you can truly just be an evil scheming asshole and kind of you can do that in a lot of games but the way that most people write that in there is that you're just an asshole an oafish kind of right. like you're just a douche that's yeah. just really like to people's faces but in that game you could kind of to their face be like sure i'll help you and then like just murder their whole family and take all their shit right behind their backs and force them to work hard for you and then just be an evil that game was fun to be evil. Why be, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you can you be good in real life. <laughs> so you can be nice to everyone in real life. You can't be a douche. You can. But you don't get very far. Unless you're rich. Damn. <laughs> should have been a douche this whole time. <laughs> that game was fun, You should have been rich this whole time. Like... Yeah, you had the wrong takeaway there. Yeah. You should yeah, have been basically, rich. I should have been rich this whole time. One unlocks the other. Right. There's, yeah. a, there's yeah. a tree. Yeah. The same is true in 80 Days. You can... You know, you can choose to try and be make all this money. Like people give you stuff that's valuable in other places, and you can go off piece to try and cash in on it. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter. You should just kind of go where interesting things happen. Let yourself be abducted by weird flying things and taken yeah. off to rescue people. Like there's so much weird stuff that happens. I'm excited to find the weirder things. It's cool. Apparently, you can disappear off the map. Really? Yep. Wow. I, I did not. I definitely haven't encountered that. No. That's crazy. There's some weird new content. Nice. But I want spoiler. I, w- I do not want to be spoiled. <laughs> you guys want to take a break? Yeah. Cool. Why not? Video games. I spent 45 minutes on the PlayStation Store last night, though. You can talk about that. Hmm. <laughs> Just <laughs> fucking mindlessly moving to the right and down. Like the Tinder of. 
video games? Yeah. Just swipe. No. Just, no. Just, no. No. Like you were just moving like back into the left. Just back. Back just into the left. And the PlayStation Store. Back into the left. <laughs> it was. It's the worst. That sort of Netflix surf is the least enjoyable surf. It's not like channel surfing. Channel surfing is like new, Because something's exciting, on. As opposed to just image. looking at poster art over and over oh. again and not doing anything. And yeah. I can kill 40 minutes on that search. Yeah. I did it last night with video games. Why? Because I was playing Soma and I got frightened. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so I you like, wanted... I don't like being scared. That was such a weird, like I had like a grown man moment of like, I don't like being scared. That's it. No more scary things. So you went to look for something kind of nice. And I just, easy, like, bedtime Yeah, just story. something. I do find that as an adult, my, like, the amount of me that is excited to feel terrified via fiction is just on a slow downward slope. Because there's enough things just, like, in life to that are constantly haunting. stressed about, <laughs> like, I'm worried about and, like, yeah. just dealing with all the time. That it's like, I don't know if I need to, like, artificially make my brain go through the exact same... <laughs> like chemical reactions like it's the same my brain it's probably the same shit that's happening even if i know it's different yeah it's like when it's happening it's still those goddamn like little neurons firing so the caveman is still picking up the club yeah (laughs) exactly yep i'm still getting fight or flight i don't need that shit yeah i had it and i just went no i don't think so i don't think i don't think so yeah that's not a knock against like those kinds of experiences. It's also not a knock against Soma. It's a good game. No, no, no. Soma's really cool. What, what you guys are saying is whatever happened to Mario? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can talk about Patrick Klepek's fucking hilarious shit that I'm keeping up with. Wait, why? What? Oh, do you just, you don't know about this? No. Oh, so um, Patrick Klepek is in, I guess what you would describe as a grudge match with Dan Reichert who is building these nightmarish Mario Maker levels uh, in secret. Okay. I've seen this, but I haven't dug okay. into it. And so, then yeah. giving them to Klepik. And it's now become just by virtue of having to like one up himself every single time he gives him <laughs> a level and Patrick's natural enthusiasm for something like this, that is just crushingly difficult and how fun he is to watch on stream it's become something much bigger. Right. Yeah. So if you watch Patrick Klippick try to get through a Dan record level for like nine hours, <laughs> Jeez, nine hours, you're usually offered up a very raw take. Once Patrick clears the level, like he'll get to, he would get to the when end. Is, how does Patrick have time to do this now that he doesn't work for the same site as he wakes was, up in the morning and plays Dan's level. Yeah. I don't. That's like, that's yeah, like it's his, like, but he's like he did, wasn't. More, he hasn't been able to get through the recent most recent one for two days. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's his, it's his. So he's streaming it right now. Like this was literally runs. nine hour streams. Not in not collectively, oh, but okay. I mean in terms I was of like say, you could imagine giant like bomb three hours that last out night, two hours this morning. He's back at okay, it now. Okay, I see. You I know, see. Yeah. but then it, there's the moment of. I mean, the moments of defeat really don't get boring. But there's the. You're reveling in his destruction. Is he like? A pretty good Mario player. Oh, he's quite good. Okay, so the, yeah. it's not the comedy of like incompetence. It's no, but just I mean, you know, he played as much so diabolical. As you did. That, yeah, it's, and like it's, you're, you would that's be, true, of course. It's really yeah. reminiscent to of, to when you and Patrick were playing the Spelunky Daily Challenges, mm-hmm. except that in this case, 
he's playing this di- these diabolically difficult levels, but he knows that they have a creator who is <laughs> aiming, like who's gunning specifically right. for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it has, and because of Mario yeah. Maker's like wonderful like design choice that you have to be able to beat the level to publish it, he knows it's completable. Yeah, and not only does he, he know it's completable, has completed he knows that Dan has, has done it to him. <laughs> yeah, man. So that, it's really, really very enjoyable to keep up with on Twitter. Those should is, all be those. All those levels should just be played as Waluigi. This should just like just Waluigi as Sisyphus of Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst Klepek is dressed appropriately as and During the break, I'll find it. But Because um, I, I read it in GIF form. I wasn't watching, so I didn't see... You read it in GIF form. Yeah. Well, Patrick... <laughs> the laziest in, Patrick reading. Patrick completed the, one, the previous one and looks into the camera and delivers a challenge that is so well-worded, yet I know expository, like, um, I should say, um, extemporaneous... That it was, it was, I was really, um, I was just very impressed by Patrick's composure after completing a level. To whom was he issuing the challenge? To Dan. Okay. To like, I've, I've beaten your, your right. murder machine. Oh, so it's, a, it's like a bring it on. Yes. Okay, okay, and okay. I'll find it during the break and I will yeah. read it out loud because it is worth hearing out loud, I think. Extemporaneous. Yeah. It's not a word I use very often. Yeah, well. Been writing forever, maybe. Sean only uses, yeah. uses it when he's speaking extemporaneously. <laughs> that's true. That's it's like the video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Artbotic. Uh, Artbotic is a pretty new sponsor. We talked about them last week as well. They ship out boxes on a quarterly basis that come with exclusive autographed art from emerging artists. It's a pretty interesting concept. I haven't seen anything like this before. Um, every box comes with two hand-signed, hand-numbered prints, uh, a limited-run T-shirt, uh, and then a bunch of stickers and other goodies. They, you get them every three months. Um, you sign up for the box, and you can go to the website and look at what has come in some of the past boxes uh, to get an idea of it. It's artbotic.com. Um, it's, it's like, like it's like robotic, but artbotic. Exactly. That is exactly what it's like, Jake. Uh, if you do go to artbotic.com and use the coupon code thumbs, you will get five dollars off your first purchase. If that uh, that sweetens the deal at all, um, it does. I, yeah. yeah. You you get the uh, like certificate of authenticity. You get all the stuff to make make it very official. That you are a supporter of art. Does this, does the certificate say promo code thumbs on it? <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can commission an, an emerging artist to illustrate a promo code thumbs like limited lithograph or something that we can then get included in a yeah <laughs> gicle print that we can get included in a future artbotic box. Uh, so, so you know, subscribe now to make sure that you don't miss classic. Uh, coupon code thumbs print is sure, <laughs> sure to be coming. Uh, in the meantime, though, you can go to artbotic.com and enter that actual coupon code that is thumbs that will get you $5 off. Artbotic.com. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by Squarespace, uh, an online service that makes it incredibly fast and easy to make your own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. Uh, Squarespace can make all kinds of websites that work on mobile, on desktop, on tablet, on anything 
really, that has a web browser, and they look beautiful and are very usable. And we have another uh, Idle Thumbs reader who has written in with his own Squarespace-created site. I thought this email was actually just a joke until I clicked on the link. This is real. And real, yeah. <laughs> um, it is nachonomics.com. The website is called Nachonomics, the business of nachos. And I don't, I can't really figure out what the point of this website is. Other, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's about the business it of nachos. It just has Seems a, pretty clear to me. a bunch of <laughs> blog posts about nachos. The articles on this website include Ochober, Nacho News and no. the Nacho News Network and Nachos and You. Uh, merchandise, the Elegant Cyclops Nacho Fun Pack. Wait, can we go back? Mer- Nachtober? Or October? Nacho October? Um, review, I got your crabs in which you reviewed <laughs> some kind of crab-based nachos. I bet those are good. Yeah. It's it's quite a website. I'm, I really enjoy the dedication. That Looks incredibly well formatted for mobile, Chris. It does. It is very browsable on my mobile phone. It'll probably look good on iPad. I'm sure it was. It's probably Samsung really Galaxy easy Note. To, to make as well. I'm sure it was. This this was Dex Gormengast's site, and uh, I I can't say I entirely understand what why it exists, but I'm pretty glad that it does, and I'm glad that it was made with Squarespace. If I was kind of as confused as you about his site, but was intrigued enough to want to make my own, how would I go about it? You would go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS to get 10% off your order you can also sign up for a free trial uh that doesn't use a credit card um i did this recently and it's like the easiest thing ever you don't need anything you sign up and it takes you two seconds and you're already making a website uh it's incredibly easy and then when you are ready to check out you can use offer code thumbs to save 10 percent. that's at squarespace.com thanks squarespace video nacho site's pretty good i just looked at it yeah i really want to eat nachos now i know me too I like pineapple on nachos. Hey guys, how was your break? Oh, it's fine. It was fine. It was short. Mine was great. I wish you could turn back time. Uh, so during the break, I said I would find the um, the SmackDown uh, that Patrick Klepek laid out for Dan Riker, and thanks to at Washed on Twitter who made a gif of it, I can read it to you. It says, "Let me tell you, uh, Dan Riker. Let me tell you to it plain. Let me tell you to it plain. You can't beat me. Every course that you put up." I finish. Long pause. Every nightmare you design, I find a clearing. And he skitters his hands across the screen. I make it to the exit. I beat that stage. You cannot out-nightmare me. I am your worst nightmare. Let me tell you, Dan Reichert. Let me tell, let me tell you plain. And there it is. Obviously, that's a gif. So it's looping, and I'll sit here all day. It loops but the way forever, he goes, as did he. As did he. In real life. Which yeah. is Club troubling. For still his for his He's still saying it. He's on yeah. the 300th hour of his Twith broadcast. My favorite yeah. thing about it is he goes, every nightmare you design, I find a clearing. Yeah. It's so fucking it's poignant. That is some fucking, you like... Stitch like, that on a little... Well, the thing like that I like... T.S. Elliot. The thing it's that so I like good. is that he later then declares himself to be his Dan's nightmare. worst nightmare. So he is in, he is like absorbing the nightmare and becoming it. Yeah, mm. it's really good. So I find every nightmare I find a clearing. That's just so illustrative. I really enjoy it's it. It's like every cloud has a silver lining. But yeah, but way darker. Nightmare. Way more intense <laughs> yeah. than that. It's like every nightmare has a clearing. And Patrick It means that it he's not like it. he's not actually like just you can't a nightmare, you know, the best you can do is find a clearing inside of it, but that's enough in this case mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. eventually Re-enter and then to, to 
you but know, it's a clearing collect yourself to and like, then yeah, gather, gather what you need to become his nightmare. Become a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> become a nightmare. Yeah. I do That's really recommend out. going and checking out Patrick's uh, like VODs on this stuff, especially with the most recent level. The first moment he takes it in, it's a Super Mario World uh, sprite sheet or, or whatever like yep. theme, and he just goes, "Oh God." music blocks he's starting the level with music blocks <laughs> and it's just music blocks and fire like he's just hitting the music blocks and bouncing up into the air it's really very very good highly recommended cool let uh, me tell you about a video game how's that <laughs> that sounds great masterful am i learning how to seg yet <laughs> <laughs> after chris just like took us on this beautiful journey for the entire first yeah. half i have played a video yeah, no, game no, just fuck Chris's that first Let's half seg was like he was selling us a fucking timeshare it was so it was just like oh what i guess we're oh yeah i mean we travel <laughs> I'm, I'm on board why wouldn't we we can always you know swap it <laughs> It's true. I should well, have, you, I should have him this with a more gentle. It's one okay. Because. You're you're on the lobster couch. You've inherited the Danielle Rando second half game explained. I can get segment. the Rhode Island attitude down. Just, just you've already got your own wacky accent, Spaff. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, I have been playing Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Nice, um, which is awesome. I love it. Uh, <coughs> it is a, a co-op spaceship game. Uh, aesthetically, it looks kind of like um, maybe pixel junk shooter. Like think about that, like kind of yeah. cartoon spaceshipy thing. And I guess it has a, a lot in common with that, which is you know that really good co-op uh, gameplay. Um, but in it, you are piloting a spaceship. Uh, you're a big round spaceship. Uh, there's a gun on the four sides of the spaceship. So there's one on the top, bottom, two sides. There's an <coughs> engine. There's shields. There's a map. And to pilot it, you have to physically run around the spaceship and man whatever thing it is that you need. So if you need to move, someone needs to be sitting uh, at the engine seat and making the spaceship fly whilst one other person is maybe making the shields kind of deflect one side of it. And then you have to quickly jump off that, run over to the guns so that you can shoot the guns. Um, so it creates all these awesome situations where you, you like know ideally like you'd be real time ftl basically kind of yeah kind of yeah so this reminds me of a board game that i've played too the way you're describing it and i should have looked it up before i said that anyway <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> i'm losing it guys <laughs> like space alert maybe, i guess uh the board game which is like, like a space alert. i think there's a different one that i'm thinking of. Okay. maybe it's that Doing good here, Spaff. Anyway, <laughs> ask him the name of other board games. Let's see if he <laughs> finds it out. Everyone at home, yeah, maybe all, this one, get it? all of them, and then eventually alphabetically, we'll and I'll stop you. Okay. No, just please keep talking. About the you know Agricola. About. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good because it basically takes a normal kind of uh, you know spaceship game where you would be flying and shields and guns all just yourself on one controller, um, but then puts you in the annoying situation where. It'd be really ideal if you could fire the guns and be piloting around and have the shields on one side and, and, you know, enemies are coming from all directions, but you can only do two of them at once very frantically and enemies very cleverly kind of move around you in incredibly annoying ways. You have to track them. Uh, but it's super good. You have these base guns and you have all this base stuff and then you, you collect these gems that you can socket into kind of each individual thing that change the way they work and you can mix and match them. So there's like a metal gem, and if you put that in your gun, it changes it from like a laser gun into a big metal ball on a on like a chain that you can kind of whirl around. 
but you can combine that with an energy gem and then it makes it into like a ball on a chain that shoots out that then shoots lasers out of it. So you can kind of customize your ship and that applies to your shields and to your engines as well. So you could, you know, you have a normal kind of shield that occupies like maybe a quarter of the ship, maybe a bit less. And you can make it bigger, or you can make it turn into a thing that bounces stuff off it, or you can like. How do you acquire these thing. gems? By shooting things and collecting them. Okay. As video games mm-hmm. go, mm-hmm. Um, but it's really good. I've played um, the first world of it, um, and it has a really cool structure. Like you know, you have these different maps, and you have to explore them, and you're trying to find these cute little bunnies. Um, it has a very cute aesthetic, um, super cute. Uh, but then it has cool like warp levels it's really intense moments of like lots of waves of enemies coming at you while you don't really have to fly around much you just have to uh, protect uh, a warp drive from being blown up by moving it around and then weird bosses that are rad that are like uh constellations that come to life and protect you but overall it's like this rad two-player cop thing where you shout each other a lot and i like that kind of stuff a lot i'm a sucker for co-op games couch call games where multiple people have to maintain a spaceship or sort of keep a thing alive at all yeah. and like the, I, this i i'm failing to come up with any actual examples of uh, of this other than insane goofy things like space team or whatever right, but yeah, just yeah, yeah. the working to I mean, keep a thing alive while accomplishing yeah. actual other larger space, goals space alert is also that which, okay. you, which you mentioned yeah that's a board game but i but feel like it has that vibe even things like um, Pixel Junk Monsters, for example, which isn't a spaceship you're keeping alive, but you're kind of keeping your like towers in play. It's like this, you know, an animal you've created that you're trying okay. to keep alive. I haven't played that. You know what I mean? Or like that's a classic. Ta- it's basically a two-player tower defense game. So mm-hmm. you, you know the maintenance of something that you're trying to keep from falling over, or yep. like dungeon defenders or something like that. But yeah, it's it's really fun if you're into couch co-op stuff. Um, I feel like I've I heard about this game for so long. Yeah. It must have been at this a game, lot of festivals. This game and cleaned stuff. up at the IGF like yeah, two or okay. three. Yeah, or it's been four a, it's, years ago. It, I don't, yeah. Years ago now, it just well, like it's got a very evocative name. It's got a great name. Yeah, when, when I hear yeah, when I yeah. hear "Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time," the thing that I actually hear, which is a, a really inside stupid thing, is basically I hear the IGF Awards announcement lady just say <laughs> "Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time." <laughs> Lovers in a Dangerous yeah. Space Time because uh-huh. it was nominated for like a million awards one year. Yeah, I think it's. Being published by the by Behemoth, I think they've picked it oh, up in crazy. a kind oh, of that's cool. That's that's kind cool. of double fine presents style, um, something yeah. going on. Good for them. Yeah, which is really man. Cool. It's been really well reviewed too. It's really good. It's out on Xbox One and also on Steam, which is where I played it, and will continue to play it. I think the reason I wasn't aware that this game finally came out is because yeah, like Jake, as you say, I was I remember when it won a bunch of or at least was nominated for a bunch of IGF awards. I can't remember which. And then I just remember it being at a lot of yeah. like PAXs and like, I don't know which shows it was at. It's but a it was game at that a did lot a lot of things. festival stuff. And then you're yeah, not sure years, if, as a person who sees it at those, you don't ever right. quite know if it's it come out like or not. One yeah. of the, like there's definitely a category of indie game that feels like it's just perpetually almost done. And it's like been playable for years and years and seems like a game that's far I, along, but then the, it takes forever to come out. And I kind of just stopped remembering. It's definitely the, yeah. one of those kind of games where you could put together a, <clears throat> Like a proof of concept, yeah, a proof of yeah. concept thing, and one level, and then put it in the IGF, and it would and show really like, well. Oh my god, this is the yeah. best! And then you have to build I mean, it out yeah. into a whole game that's going to, yeah. you know, build all the content. So you know, that's probably what that category of indie yeah. game is. Well, now that <laughs> I know it's out for real, I'll go check it out. Yeah, you should check it out for sure. Cool. Lovers in a dangerous space time. 
Is that that's pretty good. Yeah, it's good IGF voice. There's <laughs> there's another game that I want to wait to talk about in detail until Nick Brecken is here and I can talk about it with him. Um, but I want to put this out as sorry, like, Sean. Uh, I want to put this out I wish so that here too. <laughs> I want I want him to like. I want. I wish that every day. I want. I just want it to be on the record that I want him to play this. So, like, other people can tweet at him to play it or something. So you're issuing a challenge. I'm issuing a challenge to Nick Brecken. <laughs> uh, there's a game called Daddy Long Legs that a few people told me to play. A few people, a few uh, Idle Thumbs readers recommended I play. It's a it's a mobile game, and so I downloaded it for iOS, and I've been playing it sort of off and on. And it is basically this is this is Quop. Yes, to me. it is basically Quop mm-hmm. on the phone. Uh, it is. <laughs> on the phone good <laughs> quotation on ces Bob. keynote chris ramo quap yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the phone so <laughs> so quap for those who who haven't played it is uh, a flash game just a you know browser flash game by bennett foddy in which you control a like a guy running you know like ostensibly in an olympic uh, sprinting competition or something, and you have to use the Q, W, O, and P keys on the keyboard to independently control his cap, his two calves and two thighs. And it's it's almost it's basically impossible. When you start playing it, it seems like it is actually impossible. Like when you first sit down and start to control the guy in Quop, you it just it's like a comedy game. It's 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 so you are hard. basically learning to walk like an mm-hmm. infant, right? Yeah. yeah, from from nothing, from no ability. Uh, and, and eventually if you're like for really just a weird person, persistent, yeah, if you're (laughs) persistent to a degree that is like unnecessary for any real task in life, you can, you can get good at this game. And Nick Brecken and I did that, uh, in a hotel room when we were at some like gaming event for work, uh, years ago. Yes, actually. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it may have been um man this was talked about an episode 50 of idle Thumbs. i know i know i think it might have been dice i can't remember it doesn't matter anyway other nick, vegas nick, nick brecken and i thing. nick brecken and i got into a a quap battle i eventually bested him who became whose nightmare chris mm-hmm. i became mm-hmm. his nightmare because he collapsed at meter 99 out of 100 and I completed the game. Of course, Nick Boom. collapsed at 99. Oh, yeah. Did you also <laughs> play? Yeah. And then he probably declared the game broken and bad and walked <laughs> away. Uh, I basically you, won. Did you also play Clop? Uh, Chris, what? you play Clop as yeah, well. Yeah, I played Clop. It wasn't as good. But uh, anyway, so Daddy Longlegs oh, is, a, is a game you can get on Clop <laughs> on, on iOS. I don't know if it's on this Android is very, as well. This is, this is more Quoppy than I expected when I even... Looked over your shoulder and said the word "quap" before you began. Yeah, so it's it's a it's 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 that kind of concept. Oh, this is delicious! But really stripped down, you only have two things to. You have one. It's one button input. Basically, it's you have two legs. It sounds like a spider, daddy long legs, but it's you're actually just a long legged, two legged <laughs> daddy. And uh, <laughs> you're, cher- you're cherry popping daddy every time you start. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> every time you start the game, the the there's a title. There's like a title card. On the screen, and right now mine reads, "This is the story of Daddy Longlegs and his 285th fall." So, like, oh th- it's it track. It's it's a nice, clever little man. Like, Daddy Longlegs as just a shitty '90s swing revival song about a tall guy is so real. 
That is real. That, that is probably true. exists. Yeah. There's Can a I, stupid Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or Cherry Papa Daddy <laughs> song about a guy called Daddy Longleg who's just tall. That's true. A guy going, wah, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. <laughs> yep. Um, so now that, I just want this game to have that kind of soundtrack. It'd be terrible. <laughs> there is a weird thing, or it doesn't exist what? anymore, in the town that I'm from called a Daddy Longlegs that was invented by a guy called Volks. And this guy, in the Victorian ages, he made uh, an electric railway. I think it was the first electric railway. Um, but it's just like, you know, on the seaside for tourists to go up and down the seaside. But he also made a version of that railway that ran out at sea and was like a pier on legs. And it ran up along the coast. And that was called a Daddy Long Legs. And it's because it had so this... Oh, imagine, like, something straight out of a weird, like, dishonored Halloween. No. <laughs> like, you know, like, like a Terry Gilliam movie or something? Yeah. Just like a pier that can move around on, like, iron... Like Eiffel Tower style. I can barely picture what that is. I will I guess. find that for you and show it to you. Sorry, I had a weird you could moment there with Daddy Longlegs. Please long post legs. a picture of Daddy Longlegs in the episode thread on yeah, the okay. Adam's forums. I will do um, that. So anyway. this, game, this game, anyway, is much, is much simpler to control than Co-op. It is a, it's a one-button input, and every button press, all it does is just switch which leg is walking forward. So you, you just kind of press, mm-hmm. press, press, and you switch left, right, left, right, left, right. Uh, but much like Quap, it has that terrible thing where once you get a little bit off rhythm, you just end up in this like cascading physics disaster as you sort of crumple to the ground. Um, and it, even though the controls are very different and the sort of physics are kind of different, it has that same feeling of like once you actually, well, once you actually start to get it, it has a rhythmic element to it. And it just feels like a tiny little catastrophe right. in your brain every time it goes wrong. Uh, the, the difference between this and Quap most significantly is that the learning curve for this game is way shallower. Quap uh, is like you just bang your head against it until you eventually figure out kind of the the patterns that work. This game, it's it is someone who is the the game is actually attempting to make the guy walk in a relatively normal way, but you have to get the rhythm right. So it's, it's, it's definitely easier to, to latch onto as a player. Um, also you can unlock free cosmetic upgrades and as soon as I unlocked the like knee high boots, I have not (laughs) changed them. From anything because it looks oh those knee high boots don't, those don't come out of the no box. this is not stock say, that's stock like, it's just it's just a there's nothing he has no like it's accoutrement. a little he just has naked it's a legs. little kinky no it's a little you know how like it's a, it's a little a little like third can you make stepping? him can you make the daddy goose except step? that they're like stiletto heels they're not like jack boots well you know so it's, one, so it's like it's like hot Nazi, yeah, hot, hot Nazi, hot Nazi. I would say this game is a hot Nazi. It aesthetic. is dishonored Halloween, after all. <laughs> we got Chris is dressed as a dishonored you got your hot Nazi. Corvo. Nazi. <laughs> Sexy Corvo. Sexy you Corvo. Sexy Corvo. Sexy nice Nazi. Nazi. Sexy Daddy Long Legs Nazi. Sexy Daddy Long Legs. <laughs> and Sexy Hitler. <laughs> it's one and the same in, the, in this. In it's on my mind. Sexy Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. <laughs> big Bad Voodoo Daddy. <laughs> Got your sexy daddy long legs. Got everything. Sexy, sexy. Corvo. Gross. <laughs> sexy Corvo. I mean, dishonored Corvo. Is this lipstick the on thing, the mask? The <laughs> thing, well, the thing about about the way that modern like sexy Halloween costumes work, it would just be the Corvo mask, and then just a, a woman bra. revealing clothing, yeah, and that and would be the entire cost, costume. 
Who wouldn't even the, the bar is pretty low these days, I would say, mm-hmm. on the on the sexy Halloween Versus, costume. In my day, sexy Halloween costumes meant no, something. I just, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean like the bar for like getting something to market. Like, did you guys see there was already a sexy pizza rat costume? Yes. It's <laughs> pretty good. Like it was like day, days later. Hopefully there's gonna be a sexy dog has a huge bubble pop near it and his unfazed costume. Oh my god, my gif. <laughs> that gif is my la- that gif yeah. is my fucking mountaintop it's your clearing in the nightmare (laughs) it is (laughs) man i really i was instantly looking for a song called daddy long legs on spotify just like i wanted to play it while he was talking about it but like i don't know i'm not looking for a specific song i'm looking for a song that fits the bill that you and i were discussing and so I'm just gonna pl- I'm gonna hit play on this on a take song. a chance. I'm taking a chance. I'm doing a. I'm feeling lucky. Take a chance on me. <laughs> the Daddy Long Legs Roulette. This is promising. It's not bad. It's got a little smash mouthiness to it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! God, it just needs a guy going. I would Daddy Long Legs. <laughs> it might. It very well might. <laughs> I would play Daddy Long Legs and listen to this. I wonder if this is all instrumental, though. It might be. I can imagine him walking around. Daddy long legs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, daddy. Yeah, this is all this is. (laughs) Daddy long legs. (laughs) (laughs) Lovers in a dangerous space time. (laughs) Kind of works for anything. It does. It really. Oh, yeah. This is Daddy Long Legs parentheses royalty free. <laughs> Not actually true. We are in fact. Oh. There they are. Yes. Yes. That's all it is. I like that bit That's with it. the organ. That's it. We've done it. The, the difference between the the version of saying Daddy Long Legs on top that we were doing versus what's in the song is the only thing that differentiates this from like a funk jam band of the seventies. From a revival of that in the 90s. Yes. That's the only difference, is just the way that you say Daddy Long Legs on top. That's true. So both That was versions. a good pull. That was a good Daddy Long Legs pull. Yeah. Yeah. I really have. I'm glad we all did that together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that concludes our 10-minute uh, Daddy Long Legs segment. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The cover art for the Tiki Tones Monster Party 2000 <laughs> is quite good. Highly is recommended. That is that the band? Yeah, the Tiki Tones is the name of the band. The album is called Monster Party 2000, <laughs> obviously. When did it come out? Um, <laughs> is it actually from the 90s? I assume it was the year 2000. That was when the last Monster Party happened. Um, <laughs> no, if anything's called 2000, it's usually from a uh, couple of years before. Well, it's usually from a couple of years then. before. Exactly. Yeah. That's what Go that was to nice. artists. Let me see. That was my son. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, you want to do some... Oh, re- mid-90s. Oh, mid-90s. Mid-90s. Okay, of yeah, course. There you go. No, no, no. It was 2000. It was 2000. Oh, okay, mind. Didn't right. hold it. It's, it's fine. It could have been a reissue, though. That's that's the different one. So if it was 2000 edition... This is Chris is looking for uh, for reader mail music. Reader mail. Oh, it's still the same band. Oh, okay. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jordan, Jordan Pugh writes, Hi, Thumbs. Hi. Um, I just found your podcast, <clears throat> and I'm loving it so far. It was recommended by a friend. I picked four episodes that looked promising based on the content discussed. On every single one of these episodes, you guys welcomed Nick Brecken back after a long absence. <laughs> I'm sure I will find out why as I continue to listen. You won't. You won't. Um, one actual game thing I want to bring up was from episode 208, Buds Are Out, Keys Are In. 
You guys got an email at the tail end of the episode detailing the bud crash and remarked on the ridiculousness of it all. I wanted to say that's just the tip of the iceberg. Video video game economies have fascinated me for a few years now, and I was actually a TF2 trader for a while. Many people turn to trading after they begin to tire of the main game of Team Fortress 2. Whole communities are built on people buying and selling digital clothing. Some of the best traders have had inventories valued in hundreds of buds at about $30 PayPal per bud before the crash that they often built from a small seed investment. When someone became to accrue large numbers of buds, they would often switch products to actual Steam gifts. This would generally involve buying popular games from Russian sellers during a sale, then selling them for a decent profit after the sales had ended. I also did this and was in a Steam group solely dedicated to figuring out what would be the next hot thing. It was a fascinating experience, and I thought you guys might like to know how weird and cool the Steam trading community can get. Jordan. Economy. Yep. Buds. So, Jordan, we, we, uh, you, I suppose, have not heard these yet. We went way deeper into the uh, Steam economy in following episodes, but I wanted to read this email because this was a slightly different perspective than some of the I'd other be interested crazy in the person Steam stories we got. To the other reader mails and then writing in their perspective on that, the rest of that story. Yeah, because- me too, yeah. Man, that went crazy. We will always. Oh, like I'm the always head, interested. The Baron series, basically. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. always interested to learn more about this crazy shit. Yeah, because it is un- it is so strange and so specific to video games, and also totally under the radar all the time. Buds are out. Keys are in. Was actually the final mail in that series. Oh, it but was? all the stuff oh, before okay. that was like the right. complete crazy deep dive <laughs> right. into like That's inflatable right. donkey balloons no, right. and all that you're crazy right. shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, got to get those luck faces. Got to get those luckless luck faces. Man, all that stuff is totally like muted now in Dota. Relatively dead. Mm. It's weird. I mean, I'm sure it's not relative. Seems like it's still going strong. When I say relative, when I say relative, I do mean the word relative in terms of how it was maybe a year ago. Yeah, they tamped that down in Dota pretty hard, but it seems like Team Fortress just continues to revel in its own weird meta economy madness. Yeah, I can't play Dota during the week anymore because just like. I can't come out of a work mode and then like have to do teamwork with strangers. So I've been, um, (laughs) I mean, it's just honest. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so I cooperate with strangers all goddamn day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just fucking people, strange people, people not up in the courier. Uh, (laughs) so I just been rogueliking it, which is I opened Dota. I set it to, I set the bots to unfair. I hit random. And if I die, I close the client. (laughs) And that's how I play Dota now. You just play a single random rolled run of Dota? Good. Yeah. All right. I, 122 characters. I hit random. I stick with whoever I have. And then I play a bot match against unfair bots. Uh, it's ridiculous how stupid the stuff they can do is. Um, and then I, if I die, Alt F4. <laughs> That's so weird. Alt F4. So, watch how stream it is. Watch two and a half episodes of the scandal and go to sleep. Speaking of people <laughs> who only play one game, uh-huh. Nick Oblashek writes in, Hey, Thumbs. My parents never really played video games. My mom played Just Dance for the Wii, and they're both known to play Wii Sports Resort together at times. My mother also Resort. tried once playing Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None for the Wii, a point-and-click adaptation of the book by the same name, but it wasn't quite what she expected. <laughs> <laughs> Within the past year, they've both purchased iPads, which they use every day. Per my aunt's suggestion, they downloaded a few free-to-play games, and now every day they play a small selection of Candy Crush Saga clones. The one they play most is called Cookie Jam, which I had (laughs) never heard of before they told me about it. It is a by-the-books clone of Candy Crush Saga with the same gameplay, same free-to-play mechanics, uh, like limited timed lives and limited number of moves. They play Cookie Jam every day, never spending a penny, 
And even sometimes they adjust the clocks on their iPads to trick the game into thinking hours have passed, thus restoring their lives. This is something that I, someone who plays a variety of video games every day and have done so for years, have never even considered doing. This, it seems like a really high-level technique to me. Apparently, my father is so proficient at cookie jam that my, that my mother and her sisters, who also all play, call him the jam master. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Additionally, my mom told me that she stopped playing a game called Panda Pop, which is a Candy Crush version of Bust-A-Move, but stopped because when you don't pass the levels, it makes the mommy and baby pandas, and in turn my mother, sad. <laughs> when I visited my parents recently, my mother told me she started playing Juice Jam, a spit-off in addition to Cookie Jam. She got stuck on a particular boss level, which tasked the player with matching blueberries and apples specifically, as if to cause damage... No. Wait, what is this? Okay, she got stuck on a particular boss level, which tasked the player with matching blueberries and apple specifically as to cause damage to the boss the boss is a literal literal and figurative fat cat named hilariously enough big boss my mother feels particularly antagonized by big boss the way that he smirks and laughs as he creates blocks in the play field to hinder progress and asked me to beat the level because she said that every time she challenges the boss it reminds her of the bosses i used to fight in the sonic the hedgehog games i used to play as a child um, I felt a great deal of pressure as I tried to beat Big Boss, not only because I wanted to help my mother, but also because I was in the presence of the Jam Master, <laughs> and I feel, felt like I needed to prove my video game skills because I was put on the spot, even though my parents are totally casual players and could not care less about my level of skill. I beat him on the second try and felt like that somehow justified all the years I've spent playing video games. I hope my email finds you well and you're entertained by it. Please excuse any typos and thanks for the hours of entertainment. You guys are the best. Your fan, Nicholas Vladimir Oblashuk. Mm, good name. The thing that, that gets Damn me about master. that email is how much it reveals that all these games that are all clones of each other really are just actual clones of each other. The main thing distinguishing them probably in most cases is marketing. And if you just happen to play one of them rather than the other, like, doesn't really matter, I would think. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of games for which that isn't the case. But I feel like there are definitely entire genres of games on mobile at this point that have been basically finely polished into just a 100% understood game formula. Like slot machines. I mean, it's yeah, the closest exactly. example, yeah, right? right? Right. It's just like, man, so when those guys yeah. all end up together at like a, some sort of free-to-play convention or summit or something, I, they must just have their own internal language for like the exact same things that they I all have in their own games. I, right. Beyond I'm even, so beyond the monetizing thing, but it's like, oh, when that blah, 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 one type of thing that pops on patterns. this one type of level that all the games yeah. have. Because, I mean, like just even with, within the MOBA community that, yeah. that exists where like there's enough like MOBAs have enough excuse me Lord's Management games exactly. who the, the fuck am I talking about Jesus what's a MOBA fuck they have enough things in common despite right. their differences that I'm sure people there's like it's it's got it's own weird colloquial right. set like, of oh, nouns what, what do you guys use here 10 second hurdle yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and they're like oh well, well, well the panda gets sad yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well instead of the panda getting sad we tend to use fireworks to invoke a happy response keep them playing yeah, oh, that's oh that's cool that's we saw a lot of drop off because the panda well, then, then what do you then what do you do if you're 15 second happy <laughs> <laughs> we yep. kill a panda <laughs> with fireworks <laughs> <laughs> the panda gets shot let me sad yeah man I've been really, really sensitive to like panda, panda, any, panda no, sadness? like any to like panda like crime, wholesale violence. It's been very strange. I've had a weird like six months. I've been very sensitive to like I was watching a t television show and like a bunch of people get killed and the dog gets killed and I'm just like, why? Like why? 
Why? Why? Because Why? to invoke an emotional response at 15 seconds in. To keep I know. It's angry. really strange. <laughs> I a, like I talked, I said they kill the panda and then I had a, a spilks. Was it that poor panda? They killed the dog in um, Downton Abbey because its name was Isis. At least that's what everyone <laughs> what? reckons. They just randomly have the dog die. Oh, poor dog. There's no reason for the dog that has no real fucking... <laughs> the dog doesn't do anything in that show. It just is there sometimes. And he's called Isis. I guess they just wanted him to stop saying like, Isis. <laughs> Lord Margaret, we're renaming the dog to Isol. Isol? God damn it. <laughs> the State Department calls it. Oh. It doesn't make any difference. No one remembers the dog's new yeah. name. They all just. Oh, how dreadful. Um, Dan Michaelis writes non judgmental, interesting Mario 64 comment. Your thumbs. <laughs> oh, I heard you went on a little bit of a tear. I stated my opinion. Yeah. You don't like Mario 64? We, oh, my God. We don't have to do this again. I'll go back and listen to it on the episode. Let's listen to the, the what was this? Mario 64 does many interesting and revolutionary things. Uh, one oh of which God. is written in uh, <laughs> like, by look- Dan Michaelis, who writes, Dear Thumbs, <laughs> Nevertheless. did you ever realize that you are actually controlling two characters in Super Mario 64? Of you're Lakitu. Yeah. At the start of the game, Lakitu, <laughs> former Terror of the Skies, floats down and reveals that he will be following Mario with a camera as a reporter for Lakitu Brothers. From that point on, you can control Lakitu and his camera with the C buttons. I found it interesting that Nintendo felt the need to justify third-person camera controls to the world. Of course they did. We talked yeah. about this yeah. on an episode at one point. We talked about Lakitu's liberal bias yeah, yeah, and what yeah, he's yeah. not showing you. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like this much terrain that you're gonna fall off of. Yeah, it, I'm sorry, fan of that kind of stupid shit. Was, was there more to that before I God, interrupted that? Terror of the you know. skies is fucking yeah. tickled me pink. That like totally got me. Lakitu's a big fucker. Lakitu in Mario Maker is a disaster because you can arm him with whatever the fuck you want. So he's just he's just he threw other Lakitus at you. I don't know if you can. That'd be great. Just this horrible exponential box of Lakitu, Lakitu, Lakitus. Every fifth one is a is a baby. What Bowser? Man, sorry, so I feel Did you see that image. Sorry, we interrupted this, this guy's email funny. entirely. Oh, what? We haven't finished it yet. No, that was the email. That was the email. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Got us on this Lakitu jet. Terror of the skies. He got to his joke. Got his point out. Got boom, bam, bam. That's how you write an email. <laughs> um, there was an image of oh my gosh of uh um. Quentin Tarantino, I guess, like Mardi Gras. Oh Did you fucking see this? Yeah, shit? this was amazing. Sitting like was, above a like a like a clown face, like a, like a huge giant mask, pewter a massive. It was like if <clears throat> it was, like like it was just like a sparkly facade. glitter face. Yeah, the entire facade of like an opera box yes, was a face. Yes, yes, and it was a clown face. One of the like drama <laughs> mask faces. Yeah, a drama face, and he's just sort of like curmudgeonly sipping, looking a fucking dour hurricane. as fuck. Yeah, yeah dour, and it was like. Who wore it best? And it was that with Baby Bowser inside of the smiling <laughs> clown car, fucking like floating cloud. Yeah. Oh, peak internet. That was yeah. like three days ago. Worth God. looking up. Uh, oh, so, so good. Deborah Taylor Kane writes, "Hey, thumbs. Hi, hi, Deb. My husband and I recently borrowed my father-in-law's van for a road trip." It has a fancy center console with a touchscreen and the ability to load MP3s onto it. Yeah. I was driving and my husband decided to browse through his dad's music choices. Uh-oh. In between Eric Clapton Daddy and, and the Brothers Johnson <laughs> was Chris Remo. Weird, I said. What the fuck? I, I didn't know there was a singer named Chris Remo. He tapped on the name. Inside was a single song, Space Asshole. <laughs> Oh my gosh. How does that make you feel? We'll talk about that after the email. Sorry. After, well, I don't think, I think it's probably too good to be true. After listening to the song, we tried to figure out how his dad could possibly have come to have this. The only thing we could come up with 
was that my my husband sent the song to his little brother, who then loaded it into the car. Thanks for imploding our faces, Deborah. <laughs> oh. So if only his dad was a secret space asshole fan. His dad's dad. just been going some hit, deep cuts on Bandcamp. <laughs> Someone's deep. dad. Someone's daddy. Someone's daddy long legs. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. <laughs> there you go. You needed that. Hi, Deborah Taylor Longlegs. My father. <laughs> Ms. Longlegs. <laughs> Big John Longlegs. Big Johnny Longlegs. It's, it's, better. it's better. Yeah, it's better. Good, good plus. plus Man, I up. once heard like an an 89-year-old Vin Scully call a baseball game and refer to Dexter Fowler as Daddy Longlegs. <laughs> Dexter Fowler is just like six and a half feet tall, but it's like 40% or more than that, 80% leg. Very good. Eighty percent leg. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like pretty extreme claim. <laughs> so you see those really distressing labels on pet food. Eighty percent leg. Twenty percent. Ninety-five percent flesh, bone, and cartilage. It's like oh, I guess that's I a guess. good claim. Cool. Is that, right? Is that we're celebrating this? The rest, xanthan gum. <laughs> um, so Chris Solentrop writes... Hi, Chris. Hey, Thumbs. I just tried to create an Idle Thumbs account on the forums to plug my <laughs> shit, which is my newest podcast, Shall We Play a Game, which you are free to mention or not mention in the unlikely event you read this email on the air. Well. To prove I, have a, I am a human to register on the forums, I typed in Idle Weekend as a podcast on the Idle Thumbs network. Your robots informed me your answer to the challenge question was not valid. Please try again. Do you know about this? Are the robots resentful about Danielle's move east? Uh, the answer is yes, they are. Uh, I went and I fixed that. Uh, okay, to create an account on our forum, you need to prove you're not a spam bot by listing the name of a podcast that we have. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it had esports today yet either. No, I added both of them. Uh, they're both there. If you go to register for our forums, which are a great uh, place to hang out on the internet, full of nice people and lots of really interesting Such discussion. as now Chris Sellentrop. Yeah, exactly. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he, he goes on to he goes <laughs> he on to, write to well. separately point out in this email. Speaking of robots, this terrifying public radio story from August is allegedly about how we should feel better about automation because robots are not sophisticated enough to work at meatpacking plants. But instead, it brought forth the vision of a dystopic future in which robots work in every job except Midwestern meatpacking plants, where all humans are enslaved. I think I could pitch it to Hollywood as Snowpiercer meets the Terminator. I heard it on All Things Considered a while back, Chris. Oh, I heard that story. Yeah, it's it's yeah. crazy. Like, the robots don't have, like, specific uh, kind of skills required to work in a meatpacking plant. So even though these these are, like, the exact kinds of huge, repetitive jobs that in many cases are being taken over by robots – it's still all humans working in just like the grimmest yeah. environment. But robots are really bad at taking a dynamic object and like sorting it and putting it into a place. Like robots are really bad at like folding a t-shirt and stuff like this. Um, unless you set up all the shirts. Someone heard them. that story and they're just making a meatpacking robot. But robots could like run Goldman Sachs. So that would be like all of them. If they, robots, ba- they basically do. <laughs> they basically all of the, do. Like, micro trading that yeah, goes that's on, what I'm like sub second yeah. trades. If robots have taken over to an extent where they have every job except the meat packing, who is the meat for? And who is the meat? <laughs> it's to keep and alive. Who is the meat? It's to keep alive the people who <laughs> run the meat packing plants. They're, they're packing themselves <laughs> into food like a... for themselves to eat <laughs> to keep themselves alive until they are then packed into yeah. meat. Mm-hmm. For no reason like, at all. This is like this is a human's oh my gosh. existence now. Pack yourselves. Pack yourselves. God, there's some grim quotes in this story. Uh, 
Could the economics of widespread robotic use in the beef industry ever work? Probably not, says Dan Stoll, an anthropologist who studied the culture of meatpacking towns for 30 years at the University of Kansas. Workers are really cheaper than machines, Stahl says. Machines have to be maintained. They have to be taken good care of. That's not really true of workers. As long as there's a steady supply, workers are relatively inexpensive. Jesus! That's horribly true. Yeah. Well, gross. Anthropologist from 1921. It gets even more... Oh, wait. No, hold on. I've got that date wrong. It gets even more, like, depressing and terrible. (laughs) There's a stream of immigrants and refugees, mostly from Somalia, Rwanda, El Salvador, and Guatemala, ready to put on the chain mail and pick up the knife stall, says. Wait, Officials count the plant as a melting pot and a business of of immigrants. In case the meat bites back. (laughs) God, this is depressing as hell. God. Anyway, feel good, Chris, about how robots aren't taking these jobs. (laughs) Yeah. So if you work in meatpacking, your life is fine. You're all good. Your job is secure, at least. Your job is secure, except for... Except for that it's a terrible will, job yeah. that is probably... Your awful job that is tantamount to slavery. And there's swathes of <laughs> refugees are coming to take your job, apparently. As they say. That's what Trump would say. That is, that's what, that is that's almost what, uh, certainly what Trump that's would what say. That's what he has Cameron said. Swathes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Swarms. David swarms. Cameron David called Cameron. them swarms. It's, all like... 400 of them or something. <laughs> God damn that fat-headed twat. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. A video game a podcast. A video game podcast sometimes. It was, we, we talked about video games. Yeah, I thought we did good. We did a pretty good job. We did. We did, I, I we did yeah. it. I'm proud of us. Uh, <laughs> you can be proud of us, too. If you are if you are also proud of us, uh, why not leave us a review on iTunes or tell a friend um, it was really nice tell to that tell proud. a friend. It was so nice to, to read that email where the person's like, I heard about this from a friend and I like it. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. Actually, that's such a nice thing to hear. It made me really, made me really happy. Uh, so if you, if you think you have a friend who might like this podcast, why not tell them about it? Um, we have. Tis the season to be giving this dishonored oh. Halloween Christmas. <laughs> There's a really good, if you're going <laughs> to start Year's at a random episode, if you're going to tell your friend to play it and they're going to start like a random episode like th- that person did, do not start with the ruination cost as my friend, uh, did recently. Because oh, ruination God, cost yeah. oh, no, is yeah, not a good yeah, one. Not, no, start with that. next week when we welcome Nick Brecken back to the podcast. <laughs> After a long break. <laughs> After a long, a long time away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We have a number of other shows as well at idlethumbs.net, including the recently launched Esports Today with Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen, uh, the monthly interview show Designer Notes with Soren Johnson, the designer of Civilization IV, uh, and soon the... Uh, Idle Weekend with Rob Zachney and Danielle Riendo, who was until very recently a regular on this podcast. That will be launching uh, hopefully sometime this month. So just we will let you know as soon as it's up if you stay subscribed to this podcast. Um, and if you want to write us email, you can do that at questions at idlethumbs.net and uh, we'll probably read it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, guys. <laughs>